this better be worth every penny. They do not going to say the quote again, BP. Yeah, let's double down. Um, (laughs) Let's all say it at the same time. No, I'm not doing that. Um, That girl better. Hello and welcome to the death of the Roman Republic's review of the 2005 HBO original series, Rome. Welcome back, folks, to dotr reviews hbo's room we're on season one episode six ageria uh i thought that was a place not a person's so name I. but this this episode full of surprises but this week our friend jacob is taking the lead once again so jacob what do you want to tell us about ageria namaste compadres i am your host for the day jacob and i will call everyone by their correct names this evening uh we are indeed watching episode six egeria which i too thought was going to be a location that was revealed and we'll see if it was we <laughs> open I mean, in a matter oh. of speaking i guess we open wait, wait on watching, the opening <laughs> watching are we doing a reaction well, shut up. You know what I mean. <laughs> Listen, uh, before I even comment on the episode, is it just me or is the intro getting better? I feel like it has, It certainly has not changed, but I was watching it this time and I was like, it makes sense now. I, I get that. I feel like it's made like more sense over time, although I more attribute that to Stockholm Syndrome than an, an increase in quality. Mm, okay. I was particularly zoned out on my viewing of the intro this time, so I can't, I can't speak to it. Okay, well, we open. We are in uh, the Varinus household courtyard, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what to call this common space we see a lot, but our new slave boy, Rubio, named after the pigeon, uh, is in a cage, question mark, looking around panically, footsteps, cage opens, psych, it's Verena the Younger. They're playing hide and seek. We cut inside. Niobe is helping Verena's, uh get ready and get into his military garb, because if we remember, Verena's unfortunately had to rejoin the 13th legion last episode uh Verena's like man maybe we should just go on vacation we should go here um but uh niobe says no 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 we cannot go i must be with lighty um as we learned that lighty has been with them for two months because evander polkio has been missing for two months so exactly crazy i wonder what happened to that yeah i wonder where he went um this also feels like one of the very few times they make specific note of the amount of time that has passed. So I mm-hmm. thought that was interesting. I, I, I wanted to say about that, Jacob, like this is maybe the first, definitely not the last time we get a very explicit time jump in the mm-hmm. show uh, because uh, the breadth of history this show covers is very wild. Yeah, so Evander's been missing for two months. Varinus suggests the obvious and is like, um, he's dead. Lighty's in the other room and just starts crying. <laughs> Verena, so he walks outside. He wakes the always drunk and hungover Titus Pullo. Uh, They're going to meet Mark Antony. Um, and uh, Verena is, is very much on edge. Um, Pullo says something and then Verena snaps at him, blah, blah, blah. Verena is kind of uh, very tense for the first half of this episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, there's a quick cut back to Niobe. She is caring or caring for the bastard son, Lucius. We jump, Antony's chambers. Antony is hearing petitions from the plebs. Uh, but wait, get out of here, plebs. My good old friend, Sir Serviliet, Servili, Serviliet? 
Uh, Servilius, I do believe. Servilius. I don't know where I got the T. Um, Servilius is there. Um, although they neither of them seem to remember if they had actually met. It was a curious moment. Anyway, I, I and he is the husband of Pompeia, who is the daughter of Pompey. Uh, I, it's a. Uh, I actually think with the subtitles on, it said Papea. It sounds really similar. Uh, yeah. See, I didn't turn subtitles on until like the last twenty minutes of the episode, so that's why I missed it. Okay, then forget about that. Not related to the the Pompey we know at all. Several uh, theories just flushed down the drain for Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Jacob's a big fan. <laughs> Anthony has been left in charge of Rome while Caesar's off gallivanting, trying to kill Pompey. Um, he's not very keen on it, though, but he is determined to be a good politician, whether it kills him or anyone else, he says. Yes. Okay, first of all, so many good quotables this episode, and Anthony just is, he's hitting them all. He's at his biggest and his doggest. <laughs> Arf? Arf. <laughs> Servilius, we learn, is the most old, uh, most elder senator, and Antony wants to make him consul. Interesting. There must be a reason for this. Oh, yes, under these specific conditions. Number one, you ratify Caesar's election as co-consul. And number two, one th you pass this legislation that says one-third of all agricultural employees must be free men because slaves have taken too much of our work. Servilius is not very keen to this. Uh, it's a, a very extreme position. But frankly, Antony doesn't care who it will harm. And honestly, he says, if Servilius doesn't comply, uh, he'll just take the populist route and he'll take these matters to the people and the people will approve them overwhelmingly because they love Caesar and they like having jobs. I, I think Antony even says, like, you know, he doesn't care it like about this legislation he cares that caesar told him to do this like yes right? he does yeah. yeah this is kind of just showing that antony may not have liked what he was given by caesar but whether you're what where your positions on with this are up to you to decide but antony is doing a very solid job of keeping to his word saying i'm loyal to caesar i'm gonna i'm doing this because i know caesar would do it and i think that it's a very smart political move by antony just to be kind of in that what jacob described as populist route mm -hmm. and it's because he knows what caesar would want he does seem very loyal to his friend we'll see if that comes up later uh <laughs> it will uh cut to the streets of rome polo is telling Verenus, hey these new dude because uh, wait they were there they were i can't remember uh oh yeah no they were they were hanging out there and, yeah, yeah no that's right was they were flowering a bit because yeah. like varinus's new job he's like basically head of the 13th legion so he's kind of always there at antony's whim so polo and varinus were there and polo's like hey check it out varinus these new dudes in charge these are antony they're not too bad they're trying to do right by the people and varinus is like well they're kind of doing so with like the threat of violence like we were right there for a reason yeah. um and then he names drops a bunch of other leaders in uh past uh, roman history that like uh marius gets mentioned uh, a personal favorite of mine the gracchi brothers are mentioned um and varinus is speaking indignantly towards these people but he's saying even they would not you know uh, uh stoop to these kind of uh, i don't know threats almost well and avrinus also gets upset like antony conducts himself with 
quoting here a whore and a dwarf at his side as well like uh uh Verena's, uh very intolerable of those kinds of people and yeah. you know they they also watch him i don't know like threaten to marry papea if if something even happened yeah. to the dude servilius and stuff like that's so like yikes this is uh yeah, like Verena's. you know he went away from loan sharking just for like i don't know a bigger loan sharking organization possibly <laughs> i mean yeah mm -hmm. loan sharking for the government um <laughs> Anyway, uh, Varenus, who has been on edge all day, besides, I'm not going home, Lydie's home. And Lydie has kind of ruined my life, as we'll learn soon. Um, so you know what? He's going to go get a drink. Um, we cut. so surprised. Uh, he is, yeah. Uh, we cut to the Varenus household. Niobe is cutting Verena the Elder's hair. And uh, Niobe's friend, what's her name? Remind me. I keep forgetting. Clarissa. Clarissa. Clarissa's there. Uh, Niobe's friend tells Naomi to calm down. She's obviously also kind of very stressed. Like she hurts Verena while cutting her hair. Mm -hmm. um, Niobe says she's been very stressed due to the Lighty situation. Um, and we learn we learn something new uh, that Verena the Elder, who is the the foe father to Lucius, uh, cannot stay married to her husband. I believe his name was Crito. Yep, yep. Because of Verena's new position essentially new class right he's a prefect in the 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 whatever in the 13th legion and so they say uh Verena it's not right that you stay married to a drover um Niobe's like we'll find you a new husband of the same class Verena's like I don't want a new husband and Niobe's like well staying unmarried would be undecent and Verena the elder uh, has has a great quip, a great, her. A great moment yeah. of teen angst and perhaps justified teen angst. She says, decent, she says. And I responds, what's that supposed to mean? You know what it means. You better hold your tongue. And then Verena storms off. Uh, mid haircut. Eh, she looks fine. Uh, cut to the bar. Uh, Verena's oh, is lamenting his marriage. Things are bad again. Uh, there was a, when he got back from war, things were bad and then things got good and things are bad again. And he, he ponders aloud, maybe I should beat her. Uh, Polo says that only works if you keep at it. And then they don't look good. Verenus relents and says she, she is a beauty, but uh, despite his new position, all is not well. Uh, he has been sexless for some while because Niobe refuses to engage while Lydie lives with them. Um, and then we cut to outside the bar. Time has passed. Our friend Varenus is uh, very intoxicated. He uh -huh. is sloppy. And Polo is, you know, kind of dragging him along, escorting him at the bar. Varenus is uh, slurring his words, questioning what's wrong with her? What's wrong with me? Polo's like, Maybe you should leave her. And and Verena strongly refuses. He's like, I love her. I love her. I can't do that. And he's like, at this point, laid down and like just on the ground. And like, I think Polo picks him up and carries him a little bit. Or maybe just hugs him. He says, it'll be okay, lamb. How yeah, sweet. yeah. That part got a little like confusing in some of the editing and some of the lighting because I was so confused. Once he got to the ground, I was like, wait. I like thought I blinked and I missed something like did Polo just leave him in the street just laying down <laughs> and then I'm like wait then I had to go back for a second I was like oh wait no I just definitely missed something I wanted to say that uh my boy Varenus continues to stay the good man because he's like no I love my wife I don't want to leave her mm -hmm. and also uh, a little note for the the scene where they're in the bar and he's like yeah I haven't had 
sex because you know she doesn't want to rome strikes me as the a type of city where the wife not wanting to isn't a factor in a lot of marriages so the fact that she says that and Venus is like okay he is like upset about it but the fact that he's sticking with it speaks yeah more to like his morality and and definitely proven by previous things we've heard specifically by like atia talking about octavian's father and like the servants and all that and like yeah yeah mm-hmm. i i was gonna say that um Verenus, uh very tellingly says that he would rather uh die than leave niobe mm-hmm. when when polo suggests that as a possibility and and jacob as you were describing Verenus at the bar i kind of realized in over the course of these two months uh Verenus has become a very non-violent incel but an incel nonetheless <laughs> yes so we cut to the senate chambers servilius is proposing anthony's legislation he has in fact caved um with some help from anthony kind of mouthing what he should say from across <laughs> yeah. the room um and we cut to the wide and we see that really not Many are in attendance. The The Senate chambers these days are looking a little vacant, and uh, no one opposes the legislation. And so our favorite old man character uh, passes the legislation. Uh, my honorable mention for favorite character, old breathy guy. I, I don't know if I can do it justice, <laughs> Jacob, compared to you, but I'm going to try my best to say okay. uh, his line. The motion carries. <laughs> wow, that was, that was kind of like a, a Voldemort uh, before he was reborn and everything. But um, anyways. Good enough. <laughs> Uh, we go to the Verenus household again. Uh, Polo is here, hanging out with all the the Verena women. Um, Polo talks to Lydie about Evander. I wonder why he might be doing this. Is it because Verenus just lamented his marriage and cited Lydie as the issue? And also, perhaps um, Polo has some reason or some uh, uh, involvement as to why Evander's been gone? Who knows? Crazy, why um, it is. So Polo's hot theories out of here. Yeah. Polo's telling Lighty that uh, he's been asking around to figure out what happened to Evander. And he, he stumbled upon something actually. Um, he says that he learned that Evander got himself into some trouble, some gambling debts. Lighty's like, he never gambled. Polo's like, men keep secrets. And Polo's like, I'm sorry, but he's dead. And I was like, are you sure? And, and Polo's like, it's what I was told. And, and Lydie doesn't believe him. She's like, it isn't true. It isn't true. And, and Polo's like, you got you to gotta forget. You got to move on. You have to forget the past, is what he says, as he shares a knowing glance with Niobe. Hmm, double meanings there, perhaps. Um, from after that line, he leaves, and we immediately hear the wailing of Lydie. I mean, a, a, a banshee-like shriek of a cry. Mm-hmm. Am I not mistaken that they also, I don't know how far Rome is from here, but then they also say that he like traveled like almost near to like Greece and mm. that's where he was killed. No, it was Greeks who were in Rome who, who oh, killed okay. him. Yeah. Cause Greeks are to the Romans, you know, uh, foreign, you know, um, not great people. Yeah. But also admired. Uh, so yes, we hear the shriek and Lydie is grieving um and her grief turns into outrage and it is focused on her sister niobe you'll you'll have to be censor some of my words here but i am quoting lighty um niobe's like i'm sorry i'm sorry and lighty says you weren't sorry when you were him 
were you? You're a thief and a whore, and you stole my husband. And Niobe retorts, if you'd done, you'd still be, and she like cuts off, realizing she might have said something wrong. And and Lydie's like, if I had done what? And I was like, I'm sorry, please, please forgive me. And, and Lydie's like, if I had given him a child, and Lydie uh, kind of starts storming off, and she says, listen, Niobe, I'll keep your secret for Lucius the child's sake, but never speak to me again yeah like um lady she she curses her kind of like servili as well like not so dramatic yeah. but she says like you know she invokes the furies it's also that's such a, a a new dynamic that was introduced in niobe's affair that she consented to sleep with the vander because yeah. he wanted a son possibly like wow that was nutty that that was at the tip of niobe's tongue and like is a side a darker yeah. side of her character we hadn't seen but also good for Lighty for just standing up to Niobe for because I I know we've talked about this in so many previous episodes how one second we like Niobe and then all of a sudden like one thing comes about and we're just like God we hate her again and I think this was just the right call out to say this is like yeah not good why would you do this I mm -hmm. I also wanted to point about this scene um, Polo he says um, I don't know they're looking for wine for him to drink but he says you know water's fine uh, if there's no wine and I feel like we've oh. had a streak where the only thing that Polo drinks in Verenus's household is water which is I don't know reverse Jesus metaphor or something like huh. that but I thought it was interesting you know it's a place that Verenus's household is a safe place a place of sobriety uh, for for Polo, that is basically. actually quite a, quite a powerful observation like a sign of respect he's like i don't want to get all sloppy in my friend varinus's home so i'll just take yeah. water then we cut to the julii courtyard polo and octavian are sparring and it is appeared that over the two months octavian has improved quite a bit um so much so that atia says a little bloodlust suits you octavian you look handsome <laughs> um atia then goes on to suggest that octavian join caesar in war um, Octavia is also there and she's like don't be silly he's still a child and Atia's like no 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 he is a man and Octavia's like there's more to manhood than swordplay and, and Atia uh, gets to the point and, and asks Octavian um, Octavian have you penetrated anyone yet Octavian's like mother please and Atia's like what does that mean you have or you haven't and Octavian of course says haven't and, and Atia kind of annoying or annoyed, uh, but like kind of, you know, I don't know, playfully yells out to Polo and says, Titus Polo, did I not tell you to sort that out? So, you know, uh, Polo teaching Octavian sex, like I predicted last episode. <laughs> Surprisingly <happening>. prescient, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Atia then reassures Octavian that don't worry, when you're in the saddle, it'll all come naturally. And of course she would know. Um, God, <laughs> oh my God. this scene just like feels uncomfortable both in the context of the show and in the context of real life knowing that the person that plays octavian was like 15 or 16 when they were filming this and it's just so like when you're like talking about this, I'm like, oh, hey, this just makes me super uncomfortable. Well, I mean, also Octavian as a character is supposed to be like 12, yeah. I'm pretty sure. 
I, I was going to say about this scene, I wanted to do a quick poll at first, like um, the, the swordplay between Polo and Octavian. My vibe was that it was pretty rehearsed, and I get Octavian is like a kid and everything like that, and Polo's doing nothing like full force, but the, the kid's really sweaty for like some pretty basic swordplay in my opinion. I got rehearsal more than active simulation. Like, what about you guys, though? Yeah, I kind of got a similar vibe. Polo definitely is pulling punches. Uh, another thing I wanted to throw out there was that Octavian's mother watching the Freudian act of swordplay and then asking about sexual penetration. I mean, again, there's my Freudian point for the episode. <laughs> More so when, uh, uh, Jacob, as you noted, that Adia is berating Polo about seeing to it and everything, and Polo says, uh, sorry, mom. And he, the, the <laughs> actor is like, I think North Irish or something like that. And so the man does kind of come out like mom. And like, again, I'm just thinking, is that intentional? Freudian. Are they playing with these, uh, Freudian themes and stuff like that? Who's to say, who's to say, and Octavia giving Octavian a pitying look about what their mother is going to make him do. It's yeah. It's a weird Yeah. Scene. I was going to say that was my next note. Uh, Octavia does share an empathetic knowing look with her brother as Atia leaves. So yeah yeah feels bad that's all there we're gonna cut to the streets of rome people are passing a naked beggar and placing coins in her dish and niobe is praying at her feet she looks deeply distraught i i actually interpreted that jacob like uh this is just gut feeling i didn't think she was like a beggar i thought she was like a priestess of fertility or like an oh abbot that's or also what i was thinking goddess something like that, that feels that makes way more sense than my interpretation <laughs> so yes <laughs> We cut to Varinus and Polo. They are parting ways after, assumedly, another day of work. Uh, Varinus does go home this time instead of the bar, um, unaware of the discoveries that have happened in his household, uh, that being uh, Lydie, quote-unquote, discovering the death of Evander. Um, and he comes into the home, and Niobe has seemingly decorated a touch. There is a meal that has been made and tells Varinus that it might be nice if we had some time alone together. The kids are away, and Lydie is at a friend's. Varinus has already eaten, of course, but out of love, he sits and says he will eat some more. Um, Niobe's kind of attending to dishes, and Varinus is like, hey, sit down with me. And they 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 share food and drink. Varinus uh, pulls apart a piece of bread and hands hands it to her. The, the scene kind of is a hyper close-up on both of their faces and it cuts between one after a beat and the other after a beat and it's very sensual it is it's it's incredibly intimate uh Varinus is staring at Niobe very intently very very lovingly and Ni Niobe kind of her eyes are kind of fleeting she feels like she's kind of anxious and eventually Niobe uh, poses this question she says the calendar is correct if you'd like to have me tonight and, and Varinus, his eyes pop out of his skull, and he says, Awooga! Humana, humana, humana. See, and, I'm, I'm at this point now in the series where I'm kind of questioning, with Niobe more so than anything, how much of what she is doing for Varinus is actually genuine versus more of like a guilt complex almost, where it's mm. like, I'm feeling guilty about what I've done to my husband. So now I'm trying to find ways to save face. But now I keep like questioning. I'm like, how much does she actually love Varinus? Or is this all just guilt? BP, can I pose a question for your hypothetical or not hypothetical? I don't know. For your thought. Did you feel that way up until this point? Or did you feel this way throughout the whole episode still? I'm 
it's really more up until this point. I'm kind of feeling it. It was just more of kind of questioning. I'm just kind of like, and I'm thinking more in the context of previous episodes as well. Like the part in, Mm -hmm. I can't remember, I think it was like episode three or four when she starts breaking down, wanting to tell him what actually happened and he's not letting her say it. Or if it's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, is this actual love or is this like her having this major guilt that's over fair. everything. Um, I feel like this episode answers that question for us. So we will get that. It does. That. It does. Um, <laughs> uh, Pol- we also have this small scene where Polo is eating. He like sits down at like a small shrine and like, I don't know, lights some candles. I don't know. We we cut to Niobe sensually washing Varinus's legs as it pans up and we get a look at Rome's best butt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Varinus passionately pulls her up and they share a heated kiss, which later cuts to a, a panning over their bed where they share a steamy and passionate moment that pans to the window before fading to black. It is implied they had sex. Um, <laughs> in case that didn't spell it out for you. I wanted to throw out there that the shot of Niobe washing Varinus, that didn't need to be there. They could have cut from we can have sex tonight to them yeah. lying in bed, but someone we really just wanted a shot of a candlelit Kevin McKidd's butt in there, I guess. <laughs> From that passionate moment in the fade to black, we open on Caesar's camp. This is the first we've seen of Caesar all episode, and he's narrating a letter that uh, is being sent to Mark Antony. He's detailing how the fight is not going great anymore. He's been chasing Pompey, um, but Pompey refuses to fight he keeps running and he's like i guess pompey still has some sense to him because by not fighting he has given himself time to accumulate 10 legions in the east so now caesar is greatly outnumbered and pompey is now chasing him and caesar's like i can out move out maneuver him for a while but not forever my people are gonna go weary and tired and hungry i need help Mike Antony, will you please send the 13th Legion as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> and Antony, he gets this letter, and he's um he's actually not so quick to make his decision. He's like, I will think on it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. This moment, I think this is kind of where we realize that Mark Antony is, regardless of what ends up happening towards the end of this episode, like Antony has actually taken kind of a page out of Caesar's book to wait a li- out a little bit because you look at the previous episode, Mark Antony is saying, we need to go attack. We need to go attack. And Caesar's like, no. And now Caesar's begging for his help. And he's just like, ah, I need to think about this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has, uh, he's been stationed in Rome and uh, he's like, you know what? I'm going to think about being a big dog for a little bit. Uh, we're going to cut to Atia's household. Atia and Octavia are trying on necklaces. Atia even exclaims that, ooh, Antony will love this. He loves me in Eastern styles. Um, they're expensive. Uh, Octavia is even worried that the family should not be spending so much money with Caesar away and potentially, you know, he could lose. But Atia reassures and says that she is thinking ahead. Polo has arrived. Hi. I'd like to cut in real quick. This scene is my funniest moment of the episode. Okay. Because uh, when Atia says, I'm thinking ahead, I laughed out loud and scoffed. (laughs) (laughs) Because as we have seen in previous episodes and we see later in this episode, she is in fact not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
or uh, even if she has, it is rather short-sighted in thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paloa has arrived for training, a servant announces, but Octavian's like, tell him I'm unwell. Tell me. And yeah, I'm so brave. (laughs) Um, Mom, I threw up. I can't go to war today. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, But if only it was for war, because uh, I think uh, Octavian would rather go to war. (laughs) It it appears that this moment where Polo teaches Octavian sex is upon us because Atia says you will penetrate someone today or I will burn your wretched books in the yard. So Octavian's gonna have sex today. Excellent. We go to the streets of Rome and Polo is leading Octavian as they make their way to Rome's cleanest and finest brothel. Polo tells him not to worry. There's nothing to it. Octavian says, if there's nothing to it, then why is everyone making such a fuss about it? And Polo says, you will soon learn. Yeah, no, I wanted to point out, I don't remember the exact quote I just wrote down. This is the second time that Polo says in it this episode. There, I remember another in it. Interesting. <laughs> in it, in it. Owner of the brothel's like, hey, no soldiers. This isn't for infantry, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, no. It is the boy. It is, we're here for him. And she's she changed her tone entirely. She's like, oh, excellent. Uh, perfect. Octavian still does not seem keen. Um, and the lady parades out several nude slash scantily dressed women and men for Octavian to choose from. They look equally unkeen and uncomfortable begrudgingly octavian uh, selects one and we quickly learn of her name egeria is that the name of the episode hmm methinks it is huh they negotiate the prices there uh it's not really a negotiation yeah it's just like uh that'll be a thousand and plus like and uh and (laughs) and to quote polo says the girl better him like helen of troy with an on fire goodness gracious okay <laughs> i am direct quotes direct quotes that to me is the funniest line in the entire episode just because of the fact of polo's reaction of how much it is and he's just like this better be worth every penny they do not right, say the quote again, <laughs> yeah no. let's double down <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's all say it at the same time no I'm not doing that um, that girl better <laughs> I, I do want to note a little bit of like Roman currency stuff though a thousand dollars is is 20% of each of the necklaces Adia just bought which um, Crazy. I don't know Was a, it's just weird factors of economics I suppose we reconvene in Sir Mark Antony's chambers, which I think happened to be, I'm not sure if we're there yet. They do eventually become Pompey's old house. Um, Pompey, as a matter of fact, sends greetings to Antony and more importantly says, Caesar is doomed and you with him, unless you make a separate peace. If you do, I, Pompey, will be merciful and generous. I will give you, or I guess... The servant is all reading, or the messenger is all reading this. Yeah, so yeah. I have it written in second person. But uh, I, Pompey, will give you money, your life, a province, et cetera, et cetera. And Mark Antony, again, has a great quote and says, what makes him think I value my life so highly? <laughs> Just an absolute baller thing to say. Um, Antony, again, tells this messenger, I will give you my word tomorrow. Um, and Varinus is there because he's basically Antony's right-hand man and is stares intently at him after this meeting. Yeah. And Antony kind of fierily tells him, you are dismissed. Please yeah. leave. 
Um, and then we jump to the scene I have in my notes titled Octavian Sex Scene. Um, so <laughs> Octavian has selected a woman begrudgingly, um, and she is not Roman. She has a, a strong accent. Uh, Octavian tries asking where she is from, but she does not understand. Uh, eventually, he is able to simplify it and to, to learn the answer to the question. And the answer is that the woman doesn't e even know. Her mother and father were killed and she was taken when she was very young. And Octavian kind of has this real moment with this woman and, and says, that's sad. And then he kind of remembers why he's there. And you can kind of see the uh, um, regretful look return to his face. And he tells the woman to turn over on her hands and knees. Um, and then we cut outside and Polo is like, oh, you know, lady, while I'm here, I might as well partake too. And the lady <laughs> disagrees. <laughs> absolutely not i i was i was curious there guys like uh jacob the descriptions and imagery you had about octavian's reaction to the news how he like begrudgingly engages uh in, in the act with her afterwards like bp and cold did you also have that feeling oh yeah i think he absolutely just is not wanting to do this and it's more of just kind of like i'm doing this now out of gotta save the books i'm he's doing this more out of like it feels it feels like a more out of obligation than actual like desire. Than okay. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I wonder what gave you that what that opinion because Octavian's <laughs> made it so clear he's wanted to do this since day one. Mm -hmm. That's why he faked a tummy ache. Yeah, I I agree that like that was like a a genuine like moment he had with her, but uh, I I have some some thoughts about this scene that I'll get to once we're closer to like the end of this little okay scenario. Yes. Um. This episode, man, balls to the wall with um, the nudity. Anyway, uh, we're in Anthony's house now. Uh, <laughs> Jake just associated. <laughs> <laughs> we are at Anthony's house. Anthony is a man who uh, partakes in the fine, or not partakes, but enjoys the finer things in life. And one of those finer things is <laughs> having two naked women fight with swords in front of you for your entertainment. He even yells out, uh, do it for real, fight. <laughs> And they are like actually fighting with swords, and one of them eventually strikes blood. Um, Antony, like the, the the woman is freaked out. She has been cut or stabbed or whatever. And Antony remarks, "It's just a scratch," and bends over and licks and sucks on the wound, which is perhaps the second most erotic thing I've ever seen on a television screen. It is. It's, <laughs> It is insane. <laughs> well, it would be, it obviously would be the second most erotic thing you've seen on television because there's not much eroticness that you've seen on hey, television. No, I said number one was Venus's butt. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Ooh, hubba, hubba. <laughs> but uh, I mean, this is, this is straight up like the most sicko moment of the series thus far. Like, what the heck, Anthony? Like, this was like beyond the pale in terms of uh, depravity on display yeah. here. I don't want to say it felt out of character, but like it felt like I feel like we hadn't got oh. an indication that his uh, that his tastes ran in that particular direction. Yeah, this is kind of the first moment we see any of Anthony's depravity. Before this, we kind of just knew he was a jerk and he liked sleeping with Atia. But like suddenly women are sword fighting nude and he is going at their wounds. It really just kind of shows like we they're like it, I think that's kind of the one evolve evolving thing with television versus say movies i think we would if this was like a move like a two and a half hour movie and they showed the scene we would have probably found this out within like the first like 30 to 45 minutes but when it comes to a tv show you're literally just learning new things about it's a, a slow burn baby. character and then you're just like 
oh my god or oh when it comes to characters mm-hmm. me as a frequent tv watcher agrees for the first time <laughs> posca uh caesar's servant uh does come in in the middle of all this kind of very nimbly avoids being struck by a sword to remind anthony that he has scheduled uh, a, a dinner with atia tonight and he kind of annoyingly remembers and it's like oh crud i have to go to this we get to atia's house and it would appear that antony is very very late atia is very very upset we uh, even cut to atia's bedroom where she seems to be uh sulking when suddenly there is a knock at the door atia hurriedly re-readies herself with the help of her servant to greet him and uh, atia forever playing this game greets him by saying I quite forgot you were coming. Uh, this is a wonderful surprise. This was my funniest scene because, like, Adia, you know, she's fretting about it. She wants Cassia to go remind Anthony. It's like, nope, uh, uh, he'll That's know right. it's me. Don't. And then, like, Anthony comes to the door. So she gets all made up and she gets ready and she goes to me. It's like, oh, I forgot you were coming. Let me get dressed. So she was, like, mm-hmm. getting made up to look disheveled like she was asleep. That I realized, like, they were playing with her hair so much. I was like, oh, that's why. Uh, yeah, 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 that was, I love she that. Is, uh, she's maniacal, honestly. Uh, she's like a teenager. Very in sh- charge and very big picture of what's going on or big ideas of what's going on. Back to the brothel. The foreign woman, Agiria, lays naked on the bed as Octavian buckles his belts. Octavian doesn't seem like, I don't know, super enthused about what just happened. Like, he just it kind of seems like, oh, well, that's done with. And his partner lies in bed. Um, and I couldn't decide if she appeared completely exhausted or deeply traumatized. To me, Octavian's look really wasn't enthused or out of anger or anything. It literally just looked like the most indifferent yeah, look absolutely. on him. He just was like, yeah, this happened. Moving mm-hmm. on. And uh, Octavian exits the chamber, and Polo immediately questions him, asking, how was it? Octavian admits that it it was pleasurable, or enjoyable, I think was his words. And Polo also questioned uh, Ageria, the girl, and asks how Octavian was. And she answers, he was likable. So <laughs> yeah, Jacob, your, your take about her seeming uh traumatized, like I I personally didn't get that vibe. I also kind of thought like it was indifferent and like unfortunately for her, not via her choice, but this is like her her job. It's a it's a Monday yeah. for her or something like that. That yeah. was my vibe at least. Yeah, I mean I just couldn't get the read because I was like she's just laying there and like staring off in the distance. I'm like that could be anything. Yeah. So uh, so I wanted to say uh, about uh, my my thought on this scene earlier was that uh, I'm wondering if they actually had sex. I could very much see Octavian just like being like, hey, just tell him like I did it and it was great because he just doesn't want to bother with it. I could see that too. I, my thing is, I think Octavian in the past couple episodes has generally like, ah, what's the word I want? I don't know. Made a lot of progress in a lot of things lately, like specifically the sword fighting. Like at first he didn't think he could do it. And this feels like a a, a weird maturation thing for him like he doesn't he didn't want to do it but like it is a moment that like better prepares him for the world and understanding so i feel like i I did wonder after like their first exchange if octavian was actually going to go through with it after watching i think they did okay yeah for me cole it was like the fact that you know ageria was like actually naked you know made me think it's like Mm -hmm. i think it you know did probably happen it would have been more suspicious if it cut to them fully clothed but yeah 
Um, we now cut to the Varinus household once again. Niobe and Varinus are laying in bed. Varinus is staring off into the distance. Clearly something is battling his mind. That's not the right words. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yes. Niobe asks him what's wrong. Varinus explains that he feels Antony does not intend to send the men to help Caesar. Niobe remarks, well, that could be a good thing. That means you get to stay in Rome with me. Varinus remarks, sure, but that it's the moral principle of the matter, uh, blah, blah, blah. And Niobe calls him an idiot charmingly. Um, a, a little a little glimpse of a rekindled love and flirtation, perhaps. We are back at Atia's. We are at Atia's dinner. Atia's eating dinner with Antony. And Antony kind of looks maybe visibly bored or at least uninterested in what's currently going on. He either feigns being full or is actually full from, uh, I don't know, debauchery had before. Blood is filling. Uh, and they talk the, the new details of the war. Atia says that despite these new developments, the Caesars always find a way to win. Antony, Antony remarks, Pompey has 10 for every one of Caesar's soldiers, and arithmetic always wins. Great quote, love that. So Atia asks, well, Mark Antony, what are you going to do? And Antony says, I don't know, not decided yet. Atia suggests, well, the people love you, and... You could be the first man of Rome if you wanted, kind of coyly putting herself in a position of power along him. Atia tells him to think about it. And Antony remarks that he's thinking about something completely different. Raise your hand if you know what comes next. That's right. It's a sex scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> we find ourselves at the end of the act. Both parties are drenched in sweat. And Antony exclaims that he could sleep for a week. Atia exclaims, we should get married. <laughs> <laughs> Two different mindsets. <laughs> yeah. Um, Antony says, why would we do that? Um, Atia's, perhaps I love you. Ah, you're joking. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Uh, Atia explains, it's a strategic move. If Caesar is to lose, Atia will need protection. Um, but Antony's like, okay, well, if Caesar loses, I lose. What's what's in it for me? And Antia's like, well, if you don't go to help Caesar and said you stay in Rome, you could become king if you so wished. Antony wisely acknowledges, well, that would make you queen. And he says, and uh, I would be deserting a friend and you would be betraying blood. Uh, and Atia's like, well, uh, I I'm too honorable for that. Are you? Uh, Antony exclaims, I like to appear so, <laughs> appear honorable. But, and Atia says, but I don't think you'll die for the sake of appearances. Mm. Interesting back and forth. And At er, Antony appears to mull it over for a second. And he looks up at Atia and says, I had not realized what a wicked old harpy you really are. And that's mean. <laughs> Atia slaps him. Um, and Antony slaps back harder. Atia's servants pull out a knife. Atia yells at him to get out. And we see a, a fleeting moment of Antony butt uh, out to the streets of Rome. Polo has just escorted Octavian home as Antony is leaving. Uh, Antony hurriedly walks home as his soldiers follow with flame. These dramatic drums kick in and yeah, yeah. very quickly go out as we cut back to Atia's home. It was an interesting moment. Yeah. Um, and she is weeping. She is very distraught. Um, bad, bad moment for her. I was going to point out, Jacob, just like uh, this scene, like without being said, it's like 
it, it's such a, a kick to the groin if you're Addy in terms of self-esteem, who who we learned a couple episodes ago already has self-esteem issues. Like, yeah. in so many words, like, Antony realizes he's at his rock bottom, like, uh, morality-wise, maybe, mm. when Addy proposes they wed so he can be he can betray a friend, become the most powerful man in Rome, and he realizes just what a terrible political operator she is and a bad person. And Adia, of course, you know, gets mad about being called an old wicked harpy uh, and all that. But just uh, for her, she she put it all on the line there, proposing to marry yeah. Antony to promote him. And Big he time. scorns her so hard. Uh, it's a, a hard rock bottom. That Kind of feels good to see Atia lose. Mm -hmm. I completely agree that it actually feels really good that Atia is losing in this moment. I wanted to harken back. I don't know if this is on the last podcast in this main chat or if Cole and I were just in a breakout room uh, chatting about this. Cole brings up the line from Game of Thrones that Tywin says to Cersei that you're not as clever as you think you are. And oh. I definitely think uh, this, is, this is very much that moment where I began to realize, yeah, Addy is really not as clever as she does things she is. So thank you, Cole, for bringing that line to my attention, back to my attention. No and problem, this, this is the moment where I really began to realize, wow, she is doing a terrible job at this. Mm -hmm. We got to the Varinus household. Niobe and Varinus are sitting at the foot of the bed. Um, Niobe is pulling a splinter from Varinus's foot. and they. I thought it was the other way around. Oh, maybe it was. I was looking back and forth from the episode to my notes so that's probably what you're probably right i like in either case i did want to note that it was an oddly sensual position like i don't yeah. know legs kind of wrapped around like the most effective way is just like to prop someone's foot up not like have yeah. it wrapped around your body or something or, yeah i don't know but but it fits the 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 theme uh, what's going on between niobe and Varinus in the moment and they they kind of share this very playful close moment on the bed kind of like you know just like two partners roughhousing and pushing each other around and niobe remarks wow the the luxury of this situation to be in bed during the day and uh, that all comes to an end because Verena the elder is here and is uh, tells Verenus that the dwarf is calling for him the dwarf being uh, the dwarf the news is that Anthony is in fact sending the 13th legion to Greece after all uh, so what a luxury indeed niobe because the moment is fleeting and it has flat it is gone um as both sit on the steps they are immediately saddened we cut to antony's chambers pompey or pompey's uh pompey pompey's messenger pompey's messenger awaits and he is asking antony so what's your decision uh, uh you know uh, coming to a truce with uh, uh or a separate peace with pompey or not and antony remarks oh I had forgotten about you. And uh, to uh, to quote uh, NWA, uh, Stone Cold knocks him out. He just he <laughs> cocks a fist back, no hesitation, and just decks this guy. And he falls like backwards into the pool, like knocked out. My funniest moment of the episode, by the way, just completely <laughs> out of nowhere. It just dude just gets decked. It was beautiful. The the Adia rock bottom. He goes ride yeah. or die for Caesar once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, speaking of Atia, we are back at her home. Atia, this episode. Uh, <laughs> Atia is beholding a completely naked slave. He is holding a turtle with a golden painted shell with jewels encrusted upon it. There is a noticeable amount of jewelry on and around the man's family jewels. 
Octavia comes in, surprised by the very outlandish sight. Uh, Addie remarks, they are gifts for Servilia. Octavian also emerges. He's now wearing a new fancy garb. He is a, a, a real man at last, after all. And Octavia asks, why are they giving gifts to Servilia? Addie remarks that, well, after Antony and Caesar lose, they will need to be in good graces with someone because clearly Adia has flipped ships. She could not win the affection of Caesar and she has not won the affection of Mark Antony. And so uh, you gotta, you gotta jump ship. On to the next thing, I guess. Octavia remarks, this will buy it. This will buy Servilia's good graces. Uh, Atia responds, a large penis is always welcome. You think it's not enough? <laughs> uh, uh, Adia then kind of is like, well, you wronged Atia. You you forced Caesar's hand into like breaking up with her and you caused all the vandalism. And like, I know that, you know that. Surely Servilia knows that as well. Um, and they kind of bicker about that for a moment. And then Atia's like, oh, whatever. Octavia, you're bringing this gift. You're giving it to Servilia. You're going to see how she reacts. And Octavian, you're going to Mediolanum. Uh, and he's like, what? I'm going where? And Atia's like, yeah, you're a real man now. And Rome is not safe for a man of the Julii. So Octavian's going off to Academy. Uni. Woo woo. In freshman. It. In it, in it, in it. <laughs> uh, cut to Servilia's home. Octavia's delivering the gift. Uh, Servilia asks what it's for. Octavia says, it's a gift of friendship. Servilia is not pleased by this. She kind of very sarcastically says, oh, uh, I will return this gift of friendship or something along those lines. I didn't write it down. And uh, it it was very meanly said. And so Octavia, like kind of upset, like goes to leave, but Servilia stops her because uh, Servilia and Octavia have always gotten along. We learned that in the scene prior, Addy established that. And, and Servilia is like, Octavia, you're a good girl. You're, you're blameless in this all, and, and you're a friend. And uh, you, you should continue coming to visit me and, and tell Atia that I appreciate the gifts and that I treasure her friendship as always. Boom, done there. Streets of Rome, we are, uh, we're coming up on, this is our penultimate scene. The 13th Legion is preparing to depart, and Polo is saying, says his very quick goodbyes to Irene. Varinus says goodbye to uh, Lucius and Verena, and uh, then very, or Verena the Elder, then very sadly says goodbye to Niobe. They, you can really tell in this moment if you haven't throughout other scenes. I wanted to point out that um, Servilia tells Octavia, like, uh, we'll visit again. We'll, uh, you know, come by again. And Octavia's like, yeah, we'll hang out. Just like, a, you know, a, a, maybe a healthier mother-daughter relationship can bud yeah, between the two absolutely. of them. Absolutely. So, yes, then, then the streets roam, all of what I just said. You can really tell in this moment, in this goodbye between Niobe and Varinus that uh, their love has been rekindled. All is well, and even though we started the episode with things broken again, it has been fixed, and in a in a very, very big way. But they kiss, and Venus leaves. And now, for Niobe, life is back to what it was for eight years. Alone, in Rome, with just her daughters and new son, I suppose. Well said. Octavian is led by Timon out of Rome. The door slams behind them as triumphant music starts. Octavian does look kind of nervous, but ready. He kind of, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm really digging here, but it kind of, I get the feeling that Octavian, after his experience that he has been, experiences that he's been forced to do, actually does 
feel more manly and more ready for this world. The 13th Legion marches, led by Antony. The line is long and imposing. Surely bloodshed will come soon. Back in the streets of Rome, the censure updates the calendar. I think it's a censure. I made up that word on the spot. It felt right. <laughs> the newsreader in the pouring rain speaks of Antony's soldiers sailing to fight Caesar and speaks of the people's bread. And we cut to the sea. The 13th Legion is, in fact, sailing to, to fight Caesar, and they're caught in a terrible storm. Varinus and Polo are, are, are talking uh, or, or, you know, yelling over the torrential downpour. Uh, Polo is upset that he is wet to the bone. Varinus yells that they are safe. Uh, a very good offering was made to Triton, and they probably are safe, knowing how gods have worked out for Romans in the past of this series. But Polo says, if Triton can't keep me dry, then he can suck my and Varinus is like, why can't you learn to keep your fat mouth shut? As we cut to the wide, the ship loses its sails and presumably is taken by the storm. Credits roll. That was it, guys. Like, Lucius, uh, Varinus, and Titus Polo, like, pour one out. Homies are gone. Yeah, that's it. I don't know how they're going to fill out the, the latter half of the season, but I'm sure they'll figure <laughs> the it out. Series. Well, it's it's Niobe reckoning with it. It's Antony and Caesar's journey without Varinus. But I mean, they they went out like uh like they were introduced, bickering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is episode six, Egeria. Jacob, uh, I want you to summarize everything, anything, and everything for the rest of your life. Uh, well, uh, it's 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 the past experience teaching. Uh, that's basically what I already did <laughs> for two years. <laughs> All right, folks, so we'll kind of get to a quick just vibe check of the episode, which is, I feel like this is going to be much more interesting uh, This than is, normal. there is a divide. There's a stark divide. So, like, I, I'm trying to think here, because BP and Cole, I had something for you guys to talk about in your breakout room, and I do want you to talk about that, but maybe in your breakout room, you guys could also formulate why this episode didn't hit so hard for you. Um, and come back with that in a, on a more united front. Like, does that sound like a plan? Sure. sure. Yeah. Okay. Jacob and I will set, uh, you know, maybe spend a little extra time here together, I suppose. Um, don't read into that too much, but. Mommy and daddy time, Veritas <laughs> and Niobe time. The kids are away. <laughs> Who's washing whose legs? I, well, I hated that analogy as I was saying it. <laughs> Jacob, you really brought it last week in terms of just historical things you were able to talk about. So I tried to bring a lot to the table this week that we could possibly Good, talk about because it, but... it wasn't my focus as much this week. Which sure. to you know, I things. think that just might be host brain and stuff. Like I, that. I really think it is. Yeah, because yeah. like when I was hosting last week, you guys were pointing stuff out that I hadn't even thought of. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, as you had pointed out, Antony was living in Pompey's house, which is historically accurate. Although Antony, I think only moved into Pompey's house after Pompey was killed, which oh, you know is coming up here. Yeah. Uh, Antony mentions that he was the master of horse, which is uh, in technical terms, the true second in command to whoever the dictator is. And this also did occur, but again, the hit, like the, the Rome is playing with the timeline of history because they say this episode, Caesar is the dictator right now, 
Um, and Servilius questions, why does he also want to be a consul? And Antony says, it's, so it's more official. And it, the thing is, though, Caesar, um, he was dictator for life, but he was not dictator for life yet. He did briefly become dictator before mm -hmm. he left to fight Pompey, but that was only to choose who the consuls would be without elections. He called a very brief state of emergency, mm -hmm. chose his allies to become consuls who would support him, and then gave up the power. You were correct when you said uh, Marius and Gracchi were invoked by Varinus, that he was upset mm -hmm. with how Antony does business because for however depraved or bad Marius and the Gracchi were, that they did not stoop to Antony's level. Varinus also shouts out Cincinnatus, which is also like... Yeah, um, I just quoted the two names I recognize. Right, right. Um, Cincinnatus was named after uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> But um, uh, this is not my area of expertise, but Cincinnatus was a Roman general, politician, and I think he's the dude who became dictator and saved the Republic and then oh. went to farm cabbages. And then he was called up to become dictator again, defend Rome again, and retired once again. So he's a great example wow. of getting great power and properly giving it up. So I don't, I, I don't huh. know. Maybe my history understanding is wow. wrong because I don't know why Varinus would necessarily be upset at that other than That's him so briefly interesting. being a tyrant. Because, I mean, this isn't relevant right now but uh, at all, but it, it kind of invokes history repeating itself because, yeah. like, that's more or less what happens with um, – well, the man we know now is Octavian, who does become uh, Augustus, right? He tries to retire, does he not? But the people don't let him. Yeah, yeah, that was the the song and dance he had put wow. on. Yeah, he's like, okay, okay, I'll be princeps. Although, you know, what I do know for sure, Marius and the Gracchi, and you know this, they were more of a populist blend of a way oh, yeah. to gain power. And that's also Antony and Caesar's vein. They're appealing to the people to subvert yeah. old power, old money. And Antony even literally threatens it in this episode, mm -hmm. doing that. Uh, let's see what other Easter eggs. Uh, Polo calls Octavian the young Apollo after his time with Egeria. And I thought that was interesting because later in Octavian's life, when he marries Livia, they're all dressed as golden gods and goddesses. And Octavian himself oh. apparently dressed as Apollo during that while the common Roman star. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a, a once I didn't notice much, but there was one maybe foreshadowing thing I noticed or oh, yeah. not foreshadowing, but like, I don't know, fun nod to the future. Um, it is actually when Atia and Octavia are trying on necklaces mm. and, um, oh, yeah. right. Doesn't, uh, Atia says, uh, blah, blah, blah. Antony likes to see me in like Eastern styles. Yeah, no, and, you're totally right. I forgot. Right. To... Is that not like a reference to Egypt? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's... yeah. So I Antony like, spent the rules. later half of his career in the East and everything and, you know, all yeah. the botry there, but yeah, no, you're totally right. Great kids. Mm -hmm. Okay, Caesar is off fighting Pompey in Greece right now. Now, Jacob, do you recall where Caesar actually went first before he made oh, the Greek pursuits? Gosh, I, I I thought it was a lot of south. This is revealing about my knowledge of geography, but where is Greece in relation to Rome? Uh, Greece is to the east. Okay, because uh, yeah, I did yeah. think he went to the east is what I thought. So, I don't yeah. know. That's my functioning yeah, Great. no, Caesar did spend a little time in Africa, or at least his subordinates did, but um, Caesar's main battle was he was fighting Pompeian forces in Spain and taking care of them before, oh, okay. uh, before he got to Greece. Uh, let's see, I'm not sure if they're going to skip the Battle of Dyrrhachium in Greece, which is one Caesar strategically loses, but Mark Antony is there. Like, Caesar is on the run right now, 
And I, I don't know if they're going to pull Durakium where he actually kind of loses, uh, but Mark Antony has to be there for that in real history. One other thing, Jacob, or two other things. Octavian is wearing this necklace throughout the series, and it's called a bulla, which is what young Roman mm. boys wear as like a token uh, to protect them. And now that he's become a man, did you notice if that necklace was gone? Because I did not think to look for that, but I am oh, going to look gosh. for that from now on. Maybe the necklace will be gone. No, you think I would have noticed because last episode I commented on Atia's earrings looking like Newton balls. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed that uh, someone else was wearing, uh, Niobe had the same earrings on this episode. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't notice any necklaces, I guess. Okay. Now, Jacob, I'm going to let them back in here. And I also forgot, like, you know, I told them to talk about why they didn't like this episode. I forgot to tell them what I actually wanted them to discuss, which was mm -hmm. being halfway through the series, which, oh, uh, yeah. what are three characters they think will die. So uh, oh, cool, I'll get them cool. back in. We'll talk about why they were kind of cool on the episode. And then we can send them out again to talk about that, basically. Sure. Sounds so, good. All right. Welcome back, gents. Um, so hey, I want to say that even though you sent us to discuss like why this episode didn't really fully work for us you didn't actually give us the prompt you wanted to give us <laughs> i was just telling jake about yeah yeah so, so yeah you guys uh tell me again why why you guys are more cool on this episode and then like you guys will have some time to talk about my actual prompt there so yeah yeah that was my okay. bad but yeah yeah guys why were you kind of not so hot on this episode for me this episode has a lot of stuff in it that i was just not as invested in like i'm not invested in atia's wish for octavian to have sex and to be a better man essentially by having sex and being a better swordsman to me that just isn't the more interesting stuff about octavian's character and it just kind of puts more light onto why atia is slowly but progressively like becoming a character i like less and less each episode you started out liking her <laughs> I'm starting to see well, our introduction to her. Come on. <laughs> I was thinking something about that. I, 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 I've begun to see through a lot of the cracks, especially through this episode. And this episode with Octavian just felt more like Atia just pulling some strings. And it's not Octavian being the smart Octavian that we know. I don't find that there's a lot of moments in this episode that feel more filler aka like Varenus and Niobe kind of just going backwards on their romance having problems just to end with it not having problems it just kind of felt like oh we're we're kind of just going backwards for a second just to go forward once again and I even though I do get why the relationship is a little more strained this episode given what happened last week Wait, BP, do you not want to see their relationship get better? Like, are, are you rooting for it? Like, is that a conflict you want to see occur? I believe his point is that uh, their their relationship at the beginning of the episode is like, oh yeah, our relationship's gotten worse. And then by the end of the episode, it's like, all right, it's back to where it was. So, you know. Yeah. The, but I would, I would disagree. I would say their relationship is like literally the strongest it's ever been, probably in their entire lives. It's not like back to the status quo. It's at an all-time high. Yeah, I, I think at the end it gets there. I just don't like how it got there at the beginning of this episode to where it got at the end. I like that it's there it, where it's at now. I just I personally was not a fan of where it got where it Do you, started. Like, uh, is this to say like it happened too quickly? It progressed from a very bad to very good place too quickly, BP? I wouldn't even say that. I would just say it just felt. It's just that it's the back and forth for him. Yeah, it's like the fact that it went from good to bad to good to better. Yeah, it's quickly, it quickly went from bad to good, but that's just because it was 
good to bad with if that makes sense without very much like build up to it being bad again okay it's we we can probably i i think we said enough on that point bp do you have others that you want to share bp or uh just call up his now i also i'm not i'm also just not it just everything just felt so filler i also but i will say the highlight of this episode what really saved this episode from being not good to pretty solid still a solid episode is everything with mark antony i think that that was the story that i felt progressed the most forward and it felt like the most investing for me in at least okay, okay. so uh, i can say my also i'd like to say something about the whole uh, marinas and everything just a my more beef with it was that i just i don't like lady as a character so like having her like run around just screaming and crying for the first part which is like Ugh, shut up i don't care uh, I didn't like Evander either. Good. <laughs> uh, but uh, my point about Pompey is that uh, I addressed it in our last recording where that uh, they talk about Pompey like he's like a great general and like he's one of like the smartest men in Rome. But like what we've seen of his character has been more like the bumbling old man, mm-hmm. which I, I wasn't happy that I wanted to like him to like have his time to shine. And I feel like we got like, I'm just going to say it. If this is a word to be bleeped, then okay, we got kind of cucked out of that this episode because uh, Caesar has his letter where he's like, yeah, we were going after Pompey, but now he's like giving me the runaround. Pompey's styling on me. I'm super outnumbered and I'm like going to lose this battle. So Mark Antony, help me. So we finally get a moment of like, oh, Pompey's like showing up and showing out. He's doing something. We don't see Pompey this episode. So right, like, right. We're, a lot of telling, more, like, not showing. It's more yes. anecdotal stuff. Like, I don't want to, like, we continue to get no, like, visible, like, indicator of Pompey as, like, an intelligent character, which really bums me out. Okay, okay. That's a very good read. BP Cole, anything else that you want to drag the episode for in so many words, or? I think I've said my piece. Not my least favorite episode. I know I'm being kind of harsh on the Niobe thing and things like that, and Farina's relationship may seem a little bit harsh. I just would like to see a little... I like to see a little less of a formulaic stride in their relationship. Okay. At the end the first half. It's it's all from that first We're good. half. We're good. We got it. <laughs> okay. So BP and Cole, you guys are going to go out and uh, I want you guys to pick three characters. Three. No more, no less. Three characters who you don't think are living to season two. And that is all I'm going to say about it. Jacob and I are going to talk about historical events and also our thoughts about the episode. Maybe we can come back with a bit of rebuttal, basically. Mm-hmm. But you guys mm-hmm. tell me three characters who are not making it to season two. It's definitely uh, Evander Polkio. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any more history to remark upon? Uh, I did have one more that okay. I uh, saved because I didn't. Mm. Uh, well, uh, actually, Jacob, I mean, this this kind of ties into who you think is going to die. The next episode is, car- is called Farcelous. Do, do you have any predictions as to what might occur, oh, could gosh. occur? Oh, I read this name. It definitely sticks out in my memory. Um, there is there is a battle. Yep. Ooh, yeah, there's a battle at Pharsalus. Yep. I can't remember if any significant people die in the Battle of Pharsalus, though. Do you remember who wins, who loses? Because it is between Caesar and Pompey. I feel like this... Uh, I feel like this is the like one of the only battles where Pompey wins. Okay, okay. I think, I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you want to predict any character deaths off the title? Episode oh, title? Uh, 
None, none is an option as well. But well, I would think it would have to be a minor character like Polo or Varinus, and yeah. now I'm deeply scared that it might be. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to predict, predict none. Please none. Please none. Okay, okay. So I this episode worked pretty well for me. I this I'll is say. the best episode. Yeah. If there, okay. is a, if there is an episode better than this in the next six episodes, I will be amazed. Yeah. I love this episode. Yeah. So so like what about it? Uh, what about it really worked for you? Would you say it's just like dripping with drama and intrigue and like I don't know. I guess the stakes really aren't that high, but yeah. they they feel very high. You know, there's the all these elevated like exchanges, but whether it's been like Atia and Mark Antony, and yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm I'm a sucker, but like the Niobe and Verena stuff, I just find it all really, really touching and like yeah. really, really effective. Like you, well, to speak to Cole's dismay about the Pompey thing, mm-hmm. we we are not told about their love; we see their love, and yeah, I yeah. just I just find it very powerful yeah um and let's see just like scrolling through my notes like the whole will he won't he of mark antony in a bunch of different scenarios really like will he send people to caesar will he make peace with pompey uh will he marry atia some of those things are just like momentary things where we immediately get the conclusion but it's like Man, it's big. It's big because you it, know it's a lot of critical it, choices that could very much influence. You know, affects the, the whole picture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, uh, and then uh, the ending is like crazy. Them at sea and the ship going under, like <laughs> dripping with drama, intrigue, cliffhanger. Yeah. Wow. And like, I I don't know. I feel like we've always been asking ourselves at the end of each of these episodes, do we think fighting is going to happen? Do we think bloodshed is coming soon? And I feel like this is the episode where uh, maybe I'll be wrong, but like we see or we see warriors marching out of Rome Mm -hmm. and it's like uh, the time is nigh. It is happening. So, and I just learned that the next episode is named Pharsalus, which is the name of a battle. So I feel pretty good about that prediction. Or a person, or a person. Who's or say? a person, as we've learned with this episode. So, yeah, yeah, it's just. Jacob, it's just that good. was very well said off the cup. I I appreciate the passion there. Yeah, mm-hmm. like um, I don't know. My thoughts are it's it, it's hard for me to like um to to kind of I guess critique BP and Cole's points without you know not trying to sound mean or anything, and also having the perspective yeah. of having seen the show before. Like I think it's um. Whereas Cole doesn't like that we're told not shown a lot of stuff to do with Pompey. I kind of like it because, you know, from a storytelling perspective, quote unquote, like in the beginning, the status quo is that Pompey is Pompey and Caesar are the top dogs and they're going at each other's throats now. And Pompey still thinks he's the top dog, definitely. But we see him just get outmaneuvered basically at every turn. And so even if uh, even if that is more political not via battles and kind of told more than shown uh nonetheless it is an interesting subversion that pompey the great is is not so great and getting out maneuvered mm-hmm. yeah, uh absolutely. and and bp's point about the the whiplash love and relationship between niobe and Verinus. it is i can see you know how it's kind of tiring i guess I, now that bp says it it is kind of a pattern where every episode they have an issue 
that gets resolved by the end and you know i can understand how that gets repetitive but i also think that's like just tv because every episode of breaking bad is that walt and jesse have a problem they need a solution every episode of silicon valley is like that but um yeah i guess that's just my perspective and approach and Mm -hmm. the fact that like each episode their their love for each other grows so much more it i guess and like um mm-hmm. uh they the the characters very much seem in love this episode yeah, maybe and it's just you, the lighting maybe it's kind of the kid's butt who's to say but but it makes you really feel like the the intense sadness of them departing after yeah. such a high high yeah and one other thing i will add this isn't why this is my favorite episode but boy is it the most just like lustful and like gratuitously nude episode so far oh and definitely like, yeah i mean it speaks to a lot of things i think it's a, I, I i actually take back the word gratuitous because I, I feel like it's rather effective in what it's trying to portray like yeah. in the case of mark antony we see how depraved and debaucherous he he really can be mm-hmm. and um yeah and, yeah. and it, i mean it speaks to the intimacy of the scene with like yeah barinas and niobe and yeah. so the the naked prostitute shown like you know cattle for showing and chosen stuff like that <laughs> yeah it's like it's striking like you as the yeah. viewer have almost the same reaction as octavia does you're like whoa <laughs> yeah oh oh yeah yeah octavia coming in on that yeah yeah mm-hmm. so All right. anyway so yeah i think that's about enough time to let them back in here so Gentlemen, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what three characters are not making it to season two, halfway through the season here, you know, making some predictions. I think Pompey is not going to live past season one. Okay. I think Mark Antony is not going to live past season one. Okay. And not necessarily this, I don't think this person's going to be killed. I think this person's probably going to get like ill and then just die. I think Servilia is not going to live past season one. Okay. Okay. Mm. Cole? I uh, I also had Pompey. Okay. I had Caesar as well. And I, like, those were the two that I was, like, firm on. So I, I couldn't think of anyone else. I'm like, oh, they're definitely not. So I just kind of picked Cato. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, gotcha. spicy. Oh, I want to point out that you said Caesar as well, and I never said Caesar. <laughs> well, semantics. Uh, some, yeah, thank you. I was exactly going to use that word. All right. Well, um, uh, Cole and BP, like in, in so many words, what Jacob and I talked about, I feel like, you know, we, we just, you know, quietly uh, refuted your points. Some things that you guys didn't enjoy are reasons that we enjoyed this episode, I suppose. And I don't really know if that necessarily needs to be rehashed here. Um, Jacob, is there anything that you want to say? I well, what I told Kay was that this is my favorite episode. And I will be surprised if an episode in the 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 run of the entire show tops it. I feel like every story beat is dripping with drama and intrigue were my exact words. And I adore it every moment. Jacob spent 10 minutes talking about the Verena's butt shot. That's what it was. God, (laughs) what I would really all you need to talk about. All right. We'll do least fave if you have one and favorite moments of the episode. I'm going to guess a couple people will have a least favorite moment to share. I do. My least favorite is the part where uh, Niobe is justifying her sleeping with Evander. Because uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I didn't come on to him. He came on to me. And it's like, oh, OK, so if the guy comes up and asks you to have sex and and you say yes, then you're you're not part of the problem. OK, but she was cool. alone yeah. and needed. Well, she need. Well, 
was going to say she needed money. That sounds like she's prostituting herself out, but that wasn't the case. They were like, whatever. Like, it, it's not so cut and dry, but I see where you're coming from. Yes. But I mean, but then she's like, I will sleep with my little sister's husband. That seems like something yeah. that, that, like, morally I'm okay with. Okay. Okay. BP, did you have one? I do. And it's just a really random one. Even though Mark Antony is my favorite part of this episode, that one sequence where he, like, lit licks the blood off the woman's stomach i just like cringed a little bit during it and i was like this isn't a bad moment it's in character for him but i was just like ah oh, this is not my favorite part of this episode jacob i know you've had a lot that, of that scene honest. rules <laughs> i think jacob and i are not gonna be friends by the end of this episode just because of how divided we are on this episode Cole, Cole, what you were saying about Servilia there reminded me, Servilia, uh, Niobe there, uh, reminded me what you said about Lydie, how you just don't like Lydie's character. It, it made me realize, and I forgot to say this, if you didn't like this half of the cast, like if you weren't into Adia or Lydie or Niobe, then yeah, this is probably, I can understand then why you don't yeah, like this episode fair. so mm -hmm. much. Yeah, I forgot to verbalize that. Jacob, did you have a least favorite to share or all gas I for you? I did not. All gas, no yeah. breaks. Right. I will say, I... It's not necessarily that I dislike Niobe Strip. I go back and forth on her a lot because, like, you know, she's a complex character. She makes decisions that aren't necessarily ones I would agree with. But then it's like she ignores, like, the reasonable, like, issues people take with these decisions. And I think that's what bothers me. Okay, okay. Let's see, guys. We'll get into now our favorite moments from the episode. I'll go ahead and go first here. Guys, I just, I narrowed it down to a single scene today. My favorite scene in the episode was Niobe spooning Varinus. He verbalizes his internal struggle that his honor binds him to, to Antony, who is honorless. His honor binds him to Caesar, who is a traitor, but he cannot betray his honor. And he's like, he's talking about that. And he's upset by it, and Niobe is just uh, laughing at him. She calls him an idiot. She kisses him. It is the perfect cure to the Sunday scaries. Um, that was just a really <laughs> nice, sweet scene. It was my fave. Uh, I will. I'll go next then because mine is very similar. It is a, a shared moment between uh, Niobe and Varinus, and and maybe I'm just a sucker for these like really high drama um, cuts back and forth. But when the love is not really yet rekindled. Um, Varinus is like just gets home and like Niobe's home alone. And they have that moment at dinner where Varinus is just like staring very lovingly. And like Niobe is coyly averting eye contact. It's like the tension, man. It was, it was, uh, it was palpable. I could taste it. And uh, it was just such a, it characterized both the characters really well too. Like in that moment, you're like, wow, Varinus like actually really, really loves Niobe. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, you're not really sure what is on Niobe's mind, but it could be a lot of things because, you know, she has all these secrets and it's just really effective storytelling with no words being uttered mm -hmm. and, and beautiful shots. And it also speaks to Varinus, who struggles to verbally communicate often with his family. It seems like the yeah. fact that the look can convey how he feels and the affection he holds, it's its awesome. Mm -hmm. I would say my favorite scene is almost like a, the evil twin of Kay's favorite scene. Oh, okay. Wherein it was uh, Adia and Mark Antony in the bed together, where she says, hey, let's get married. And he says that no. And she says, hey, what if we betray Caesar? 
And then uh, he calls her a wicked old harpy. She slaps him and he slaps her back. It's like, yes, I hate this woman. Like, <laughs> drag her. <laughs> it, 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 we keep talking about parallels. That's, of course, you know, parallel Caesar Chevalia, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, pee Pizzle. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be, I'll be a little honest. I'm, I'm kind of after hearing a statement from Jacob on his favorite scene. I'll be honest. I'm kind of softening up a little bit on the Brainus Niobe storyline. Just bring he, it in, bring it in. <laughs> However, this is why this is my favorite scene, and it might sound a little like a contradiction to what I'm talking, what I was mentioning earlier, but. My favorite scene is honestly the scene of Renus and Polo at the bar. And the reason I say that is because even though there were aspects of this episode that I wasn't crazy about Renus and Obi, I'm coming around a little bit to it because of Jacob's analysis of it. But it, I wouldn't say it's because of that relationship. It's because what Kay was talking about with the struggle to communicate and things like that, that I think, when Varenus is getting intoxicated, I think that shows a lot of vulnerability about Varenus. It also speaks like, it speaks to like his character a lot because he's so deeply moral. Like we very quickly ascertain that this is not a normal thing for Varenus to get this drunk and just not go home at all. That's like, it's a testament to how bad things are. And I think, yeah, it brings out a lot of, inner turmoil within him like and i think even though polo i i also see this as kind of a character moment for polo because he's it's i think it's because of what he did in the last episode he's not as crass or as oh uh, yeah good point he's not it's a good moment for both Farinas and polo he's not like so like crass to him and so crude to him he's like He's kind of like, yeah, I, I did some stuff last week <laughs> in the previous episode, aka two months ago. I, uh, in a way, he's kind of knowing, like, yeah, it's kind of my fault, <laughs> yeah, in some way. Yeah, Polo quietly making amends or trying to make amends, helping out Varinus and his family, um, or at least Varinus himself, not so much Lighty, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, oh gosh, uh, Jacob, what you had said, I think a couple weeks ago, I don't remember what it was for you when you said uh, Polo and Varinus are just friends now. Do you remember what you, what, what that moment was, oh, Jacob? Looking at the, it was, I think it was them looking at the stars and talking. No, also no. what I think. Wow. Maybe I, it was whatever whatever it was, Jacob. I I honestly maybe was a little skeptical then. Um, but like this episode, they're just like they're just broing out, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. There's like there's like a no more, I don't know, hurdles to to cross. They're just you know great friends opening up to each other, or the fact maybe most of all that Varinus is treating Polo as a confidant. I suppose yeah. is what gets me that uh, uh, they're very tight. And I think this also speaks to Polo because. I mean, obviously anything can happen off screen or anything like that, but Polo doesn't go to Niobe to say, hey, your husband is uh, not in a good place right now. Hmm. I think that kind of like, I think that really brings out a lot in Polo and how much he has evolved as a character, as a person and how much he has been changing. And I think him killing Evander is really what uh, is causing him to change a lot because he is so traumatized by it that he doesn't want to mess anything else up okay yeah 
All right, guys. Well, we will get to not quizzing this week, us being halfway through season one here. What we are going to do now is shout out each of our three favorite characters. Just shout them out. But for our very top favorite character, we're going to give a brief description as to why we like this character so much. So what we're going to do here, guys, each of us will say our favorite three characters and then one by one, we'll give a short reason as to why our top one is our fave. So I'll go first with this real quick. My top three are Adia, Antony, and Varinus. Jacob, what's your top three? My top three are in this order uh, from three to one. Uh, Varinus, Octavian, and Titus Polo. Okay, BP, what's yours? My top three in this order. Number three, Mark Antony. Number two, Octavia. And number one, Polo. All right, and Cole? Mine are number three, Polo, number two, Varinus, and number one, Octavian. Okay, okay. Uh, and now I'll go ahead and like uh, start sharing my top one. My top one, I know it's a bit out of order here, was Varinus. Every episode so far, Varinus has had a moral dilemma he must overcome. The fact that he's a man of violence trying to get out of a violent lifestyle. He is trying to be an honorable man, but aligns himself with dishonorable people. He keeps getting put in lose-lose situations, like choosing between being a loan shark or a soldier to a tyrant. He has a beautiful family who he genuinely is uh, crossing milestones, getting closer to, but all of them are keeping a very big secret from him. He's a perfect encapsulation of Robert McKee's tips in that screenwriting book story of how to write a compelling protagonist, which is to make him make increasingly difficult decisions and choices and increase the pressure on him. And, oh, Farinas, I hope you got a good ending, buddy. Jacob, do you want to tell us about your favorite character? Yeah, let's talk about Titus Polo. I just feel like... Hmm. He's got like this character development arc that is, is honestly kind of subtle. Like Polo is obviously not the focal point of most of these stories. Mm. Um, he is a side character in a lot of them, but we are introduced to him as a well uh, belligerent and unruly and in, in prison and, and luckily saved. And we come to get to know that, um, there is actually a kind of, I, I, I'm hesitant to say gentle, but there's a gentle side to him. And, and most importantly, having Titus Polo as your friend is like one of the most secure and most like loyal things you can possibly have. Cause he is, he has shown to be so incredibly loyal and go out of his way to help uh, his friends to an extreme incredible extent his main friend of course being Varinus and uh he goes out of his way to uh quote unquote resolve the whole Evander Polkio scenario and when he learns that Lydie is causing him problems in his relationship he seeks out Lydie and solves that and um I I it's just it's it's rather compelling to see a, a character um in one moment be so brash and crude and crass and and deviant and in another moment so deeply loyal and full of respect and sure i've described it many a times giving me whiplash but it just it just makes her a really strong character who's uh easy to easy to love okay what well, well said jacob mm -hmm. um bp do you want to hit us with your favorite uh mine is polo as well and i don't think i can really 
add anything different to what Jacob said. So I actually want to take a moment to give some love to Octavia because I think she has been really put through the ringer these first few episodes in many ways. She, I would dare say that now I think even though she is getting less screen time as the past few episodes have kind of come about, you can just tell that there's something coming with this character. And that's why I find her so compelling is because even though she's not necessarily getting put like a hundred percent to a back burner, she's not in the spotlight as much as she was in the first few episodes, but you can tell that deep inside her, there is something that is going to explode in some way. And it's going to, I think it's going to be really, a really good character arc for her to show. I was, this is where I was in episode one, where I was being manipulated to divorce my husband and marry Pompey, but then not get married to Pompey. Just get used, abused. To to get used, abused, uh, gaslit, everything. She- Girl lost, gay cat. (laughs) I, I, I think that she has a lot more to her. And we talked about, Kay mentioned that Varinus's face, like he, Varinus doesn't talk about, isn't very good at verbally communicating in his face at all. I think with Octavia, it is the, it may not be she's not communicating well. She's obviously still grief stricken, but she is saying so much with just her face. Like an example is that moment in this episode where she is looking at Octavian, just like mm-hmm. very remorseful. That says so much more than words could ever say to her. Yeah, but BP, you're talking about the scene where um, she, uh, like, Adia is going to force him to have sex and he doesn't really want yeah. to? That's, okay. Yeah. Okay, BP, I, I've got to know, like, gun to your head here. Like, what What do you think Octavia's major story beat or progression is going to be? Like, I'm just going to throw some pictures. Like, is she going to affect Caesar's war with Pompey? Or is she going to strike back at Adia? Or is, is like, just what, what uh, just, any prediction, what do you think could occur? I think her is going to be a strike back at Adia. Okay. But that strike back at Adia is going to also make effects in so many other ways than just a strike back at Adia. Okay. Because oh, okay. an example is at the very end of this episode when uh, she brings Servilia the gift, it kind of just tells like, oh, there's something that's like, these two are going to hash out together to get back at Adia. And, I think Servilia is also going to use that as a way to get vengeance on Caesar since, since the Julii and Caesar are Julius Caesar are relatives. Yeah. And I think yeah. that there's going to be some, some, some cool stuff coming between those two characters. All right. All right. BP. Well said. Okay. Cole, you've been waiting for a minute here. Favorite character. Octavian. I just think <laughs> he's neat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, just, I wanted to give that, that a, a beat to just a, sit there and make you think that's all I was going to say. Ed. I think Octavian is a great character. He might be the smartest character in the show. Mm-hmm. I would say Caesar uh, might beat him out, but I would say that's more just age and experience than anything, because as we've discussed, Octavian is like 12 and still manages to be as intelligent and insightful and politically savvy as he is. Uh, I'm very excited for when he gets uh, the opportunity to, to really show his stuff because it, I feel like at almost every turn he's been getting stifled by Adia who because she believes she's the smartest person in the room regardless of what room she's in 
that she in turn believes her children to be inferior to her. So she's kind of pushing down Octavian so he can't really show who he can be. And I also just love his friendship with Varinus and Polo because like he's he bonded with them in that first episode and then a last episode I think showed it really well where uh, Polo came to him uh, for advice about the whole Evander, Niobe, Varinus thing and he offered genuine advice and then once he had kind of done some looking into it on his own Octavian said okay I'm coming I'm going to sneak out in the night with you and we're going to figure this out because uh, I want us to get to the bottom of this I want to help you I want to help my friend Varinus because it feels like Octavian doesn't have a lot of people that he really cares about and that really care about him so that he's like going the extra mile for the people that are in that uh, elite circle, so to speak. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I still like that he's kind of getting Varinus's back almost because I don't think that Varinus and Octavian have actually had a face-to-face interaction since like he got dropped back off at Adias the first time after being rescued. Oh, I don't think they've had... Yeah. You might be correct about that, at least not on screen. Yeah, they haven't had any on-screen interaction together, but yet the fact that Octavian is willing to find something out for someone he has not probably really interacted with for so long to find the truth, I think that just shows... I would... I really, If that is true that we have not seen them on screen for such a long time, I want to see a Varinus-Octavian reunion on screen to kind of see where their dynamic is at given how much Varinus has changed, how much Octavian has gained in intelligence since that very first episode, even though he was already pretty smart, he's already, he's gaining more knowledge as each episode goes on. I want to see more, I want to see more interactions between those two. Well, all right, guys, we'll kind of get this wrapped up then. Um, I guys, I think after episode nine, three episodes from now, we'll probably do another check-in about, you know, who, just how our thoughts evolve, possibly. But let's see here. Uh, we'll go ahead and get into the wrap-up of the episode, guys. So, next week, we are going to be watching HBO's Rome, Season 1, Episode 7, Farcelous. You can tweet thoughts about the show to at D-O-T-R-R-Pod on Twitter. I'd love to read something else someday. Um, if you want to learn more about the real history, roughly the second half of Death of the Roman Republic, Chapter 12, Caesar v. Pompey, covers this, but this episode took a lot of creative liberties. Please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts if you are able to, and my fellow host, do you have anything that you would like to promote? Um, well, I would like to say we got to get some some fan interaction because I'm I'm ready for the the legions of each of, like we all should have our own respective fan base. Like I'm <laughs> I'm ready I'm ready to hear from the K poppers, the Cobb oh. crew, the the BP um, B poppers. <laughs> gas stations and what? uh I, I bp oh, uh, oh, okay. and i didn't think this out well enough uh, or ahead of long enough so also the coal crew that's right we got the cop crew and the coal crew i want to hear from all of you but uh no uh, i'm jacob follow me on twitter at soupcatfisholo or follow um my biology stuff online at the great wilds amen follow me on letterbox bp oil spill 98 i promise i normally don't have as many hot takes as i did on this episode episode but uh yeah cool okay do you not have any uh, uh <laughs> thoughts about how great of a follow soup catfish yolo is i like guys i'm gonna be honest like i it might be diminishing returns like i like there, there's also just i think i've exhausted the 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 pop stars in in jacob's life that i can you know uh bring out there 
But you can dig a, deeper. There's that also depends that on how he tweets, possibly. Uh, but yeah. I didn't. I don't want anything to be reaching. I want it to be genuine. I want it to be funny. Mm-hmm. So give it a little, give it a little rest, yeah. possibly. Uh, uh, Jacob, you gotta step your game up for the, the next Gosh, week. Where we just, have something to talk about. Yeah, gotta tweet more. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'll allow the the audience to to peer behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, despite these episodes coming week to week, this episode was not recorded uh, a week after the last one. It was less than that. It's been a few days. So uh, the things I still have in the works, oh are, uh, they haven't had time. To, <laughs> that whole preamble just for this. So you know I, I don't have it now, but we'll we'll see where the next week takes us. Alrighty. I, maybe someone should end the show. Who was the host? Yeah, I can. I can do it. If, if, that's, the, if that's the precedent we've set, that the host ends it. <clears throat> With all that being said, friends, Romans, countrymen, I hope you enjoyed the show. Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. <laughs>